This is the Two Math Guys podcast with John South and Chris Onspach, where we talk about math, math education, and anything else that's on their mind. Today we're talking about ways to incorporate math into intro community building activities. And John can't stop talking about hammers. I remember one kid, my first year teaching, it was a pair, these two boys, and um, they thought they were, they were funny. They would do this whistling noise where they would just barely have their mouths open and just do this. But I, I can't do it right, but it would be this whistle, something like that. And they were sitting on, I thought I was smart by putting them on opposite sides of the classroom, but it backfired because they would just do this thing where I'd go over to one, he would stop whistling but then the other kid across the room would start whistling. And then I'd, I'd hear it and then go over the other side of the room. They would stop. So it was, and I knew exactly which two kids it was. And then I saw the kid a little later. He was working uh, as a senior. I think he was working at uh, the grocery store. Um, oh, no, he'd graduated. That's what it was. He was, still, he was doing a, working at the grocery store. And he said, oh, hey, Mr. Saldum. Hey, I'm really sorry that I, I forget the other kids. Name, but I'm really sorry, my friend that I were for doing that to you. And I said, oh, "Don't worry, it's you know, it's it's okay, your kids." <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's a weird. It's like we expect it, I guess. You know, and when it happens, we I think you you know you can also get to that level like you don't take it personally. Yeah. You know, it's, oh, yeah. you'd be doing this regardless of whose class you're in. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. And I found not not feeding into it or circumventing the usual, like kind of interrupting the usual call and response that they're used to. They do something, they get yelled at, they do it again, and that's that cycle. If yeah. you can break that cycle, it they don't know what to do, and they are like, oh. Um, I'm sorry, I guess. I, I don't know what, what's happening. Like, I had a kid who would play, uh, like, Pokemon on his Chromebook. And I remember I went over and I was talking to his group. And I was like, hey, are you, are you done with your work? And he's like, yeah. I was like, oh, cool. What are you working on? And I looked at it before he was able to get rid of it. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, nothing. I was doing, you know, English homework or something. I'm like, no, no, no. You were like... You were running an electric pipe against a ground type? Like, what is, what is wrong? I was like, dude, I'm, I'm just disappointed. Like, how? And he's like, no, you don't understand. Like, it was my last Pokemon. I'm like, okay. I mean, you're... But, I mean, but he was just kind of like, wait, like, it's okay? Like, I was like, well, I mean, no, I'd prefer if you, if you don't do that. But if you get all your work done, then, I mean, by all means, I guess. Let's talk Pokemon. <laughs> But, you know, I think what, what, what that story makes me think of, Chris, is more of the general idea of, uh, of how we each relate to people. Like, it, we initially started talking about research and how certain classrooms or some study had this result, this given result out of it. But then if you try to replicate, it's different. And I think it's, it has to do with part of what you just said. Like, when the teacher giving that research article instruction or the 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 instruction um focused on the research article um that teacher has an impact on the kids so 
like you would say you you talked about this you talked about Pokemon with this kid. I wouldn't know what to talk about with Pokemon. I see a kid with Pokemon, I'd be like, dude, <laughs> put the video game away, and they'd probably put it away. But the way that you could engage with them in that way to sort of use that like leverage that part, uh, that aspect of the kid's life to kind of bring them back on task or just make them think about themselves in the class just a little bit more. Yeah, and I think. A lot of times teachers weren't like, tell me how to do this thing. And I think there's a lot of, there's so many variables at play. Like it's the general idea of find a way to relate to the kids is more applicable than say, get to know Pokemon because you're going to have the kids who play Pokemon. But that's such a limited scope of of how you could relate to kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I remember that. I remember that in, in when I was first starting teaching, I'd read articles and they'd or I'd read like little magazine articles about ways to 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 t- teach more effectively, and they would give these very general ideas or general statements. But as a new teacher, I'm like, how do I do that? But then over time, you 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 realize generalizing is a more powerful way than a specific skill or specific means to that end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you know, as we see that in math too, like in the very subject that we teach. Absolutely. Uh, I love bringing that idea up where it's, you know, like take the Pythagorean theorem, for example, where you, you, you could show three squared plus four squared equals five squared and you go, great. We know that three, four, five works, but you know, does it always work? It's like, oh, okay, well, what about, you know, 6, 8, 10? Sure, that one works too. When can you think of more? And then after a while, they start to realize, like, okay, this is, you're just going to keep asking us for new ones. It's like, yeah. Like, can you find a way <laughs> where you can always works kind of thing? Because kids are very quick to go, oh, well, it worked the one time, so we're good. And it's like, well, you know, not necessarily. Like, it might only work that one time. You know, who knows? But, yeah, I... I feel the same way you like reading things and you read these very general statements and it's you know you read something like oh you need to be or um an effective math teacher becomes more of a facilitator of the discussion and you ask yourself like okay how do i how do i do that if they don't want to have a discussion like how do you facilitate something that nobody wants to participate in and and, you know you keep reading and you keep trying and you keep i guess changing the expectation you want to see in the class and then they finally catch on to oh you want us to go deeper or further with our explanations and because i think we've talked before about that um purposeful silence where kids start to kind of look around and go oh what it's very quiet what are we supposed to be doing (laughs) well yeah when you're right at the center of the uh, right at the front in the center and they know that means something. Ooh. Yeah. What's there going go. on? Wait. Yeah, and then you get a couple kids who are like, wait, what was the question again? The Two Math Guys Podcast, brought to you by Binary. Some of you are listening, and some of you aren't. Two Math Guys podcast brought to you by Google. No, not the company, the number, a 
one with a hundred zeros after it. Google. So Chris, I have a question for you. So let's, um, I saw this idea. I want to get your brain on this monster drawing. It's like an icebreaker interactivity and I want to incorporate math into it somehow and just to get kids thinking on, on math. So what you do in it is you, um, you have the teacher student read aloud descriptions of their drawing, but you don't let other students see it. And then, so students have to listen to it. And so for, it's called monster drawing because what you do is the way it's described is you draw, you have a monster. And so you'd say, my monster has a, has a, purple furry body and so the students would draw it and then my monster has five eyes and then so kids would draw the monster with five eyes and then at the end of your description all the kids would show their their drawing of it mm -hmm. and I thought that'd be a kind of a nice way to break the ice a little bit but what would be a way to incorporate math into that in some way just to, you know, because this is a math class, so we should be thinking in terms of quantifying something or quantities or shapes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, like, off the top of my head, it seems to me a good way to talk about how, because at the end of it, assuming they all have the same characteristics that you listed off, like, they're, all their monsters are correct in terms of what you described. But there are all different, unique ways to get from their brain to, you know, onto paper, what you're what you're looking for. And we can use that as kind of a way to discuss like, hey, we'll have problems that you'll all find different or slightly different ways to solve them. And that's good and that's valid because you all will still come up with you know a solution to this problem because uh -huh. uh, I, I like doing that a lot where it's it's okay cool we got we got the answer that's great but let's look at how we got there you know what is the method that you used and why does it work and why does john's method work and why does sarah's method work and you know talking about all the different methods how they're all related and it's also a good opportunity to point out, you know, flaws like, oh, well, I said five eyes, but you actually drew six. And the kid goes, oh, OK. And because it, it's a way that if you see a flaw in your argument or your your you know monster, you can find a way to fix that flaw as well. So that's so you're you're talking about more of less specific math involved. You're more of like the general problem solving they're talking about the general problem solving strategies that we'll have or the general outlook we should take on our work in the class. Right. Cause that's my, uh, cause I remember going through the credential program. I had my, my methods teacher, uh, who was, you know, Megan Taylor. And we, we looked at content standards, but she really focused us on the practice standards. You know, these ideas of, these are what mathematicians do. You know, mathematicians analyze arguments and 
examine patterns and look for patterns and use reasoning to formulate their solutions. And because we're all different, we all think different, we all see things differently, we will all do that process differently from each other. Um, some of us considerably more. Like I remember I had a student who would always try to find the easiest way to do a problem. And sometimes to him that was guessing and checking. And he would guess and check, you know, 40, 50 different things. <laughs> Which to him, that was easier than, you know, using the elimination method or quadratic formula or something like that. Because he just saw that as, ugh, that's, I got to pick up a calculator and type stuff. Now that's way too much work. I'm not doing that. So he just plug and chug on his paper. Yep. And he was really good <laughs> at guessing and checking because he would, he, he knew like, okay, okay, five. Oh, that's too small. Okay. 20. Oh, that's too big. Okay. What's it, what's in the middle of five and 20? And he'd yeah. kind of whittle it down like that. So he was a, oh, a very effective yeah. guesser and checker. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, and you need to know your parameters and what your output should be like. So, like, you, that, that's, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, I think. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, tell, like, was telling him that. I'm like, literally, the reason we teach you these methods is you do build on them in subsequent, uh, like, in, you know, subsequential, um, Subsequential classes, subsequential. There we go. That's all. <laughs> Third time's a charm. <laughs> yeah, there's some words I just can't. Um, I can't. I'm not going to say it now because I'm thinking about it and I'm going to say it wrong. But um, yeah, like, okay, you'll build on these ideas later. But it's, you know, it, that kind of joke that you see in math textbooks all the time, especially like college level, like formal math books where it's, you know, oh, just reduce it to a previously solved problem and then you're good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's the whole point of systems of equations is take two equations, turn it into one. And then in algebra two, you do it from three to two to one. And it's the same idea. So that was my only kind of critique, not really a critique, but my trying to push him to, to learn the methods we were doing is because like, yeah, I guess and checking can get you there eventually, but you know, what if there's no solution? What if it's pi over four? You know, when do you know for sure it's root two? You know, if it's these irrational or imaginary or no solution, like how do you know when you get to say that if you're just guessing and checking? Sure. Or how would you even know to try that? Like how do you know, like, oh, I'll try four plus six I? As you described that, I was thinking of an analogy with, with the hammer. Like there's a lot that one can do with a hammer. There's a lot you can build and a lot you can, <laughs> or in certain cases, destroy with a hammer. But mm -hmm. at some point, you need more tools than your hammer. And a hammer can get you, you can, you can do lots of things by hitting it and by prying stuff, you know, like using the, uh, uh, the, the, the crowbar feature of your hammer. Sound like some sort of, <laughs> sound like an idiot there. That crowbar thing on the back of your hammer. But like you, I, you could do a lot work. with those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that thing. I'm pointing at it right now. Um, but then, you know, as, when you're in math class, so you, you're learning more, you're getting more tools. You're learning more strategies, techniques, solution methods. Yeah, you're uh, building that tool belt 
you know, even if, yeah, like you go from a hammer to, okay, now I have a screwdriver or now I have a drill and you think of like, well, how many different drill bits do you typically see with a drill? And I remember, you know, like when you read nonfiction math books or you read about mathematicians and how they solved problems and they go, oh, we saw that, you know, this method that was being used over here, we could apply it here because of the similarities in these structures and they you know mathematicians understand that you know that methods are useful they're developed for a reason and it's really trying to find the correct sequence of methods to get you from point a to point b Uh, and sometimes you have to come up with new methods because the existing ones just don't yeah just don't work i mean that's how we got negative numbers and irrational yep. numbers, like, hey, our, our other numbers, uh, we need more. Yeah, and it's, uh, I like that too, like sharing a lot of, um, like, history of math with students. Like, where do, like, where do, you know, square root of two, like, where do irrational numbers even come from? Like, why do, why do we have them? Yeah. You know, sorry, my, my brain's still thinking on tools. I was thinking about how your how your kid would the one student you described would would just guess and check all day. And it's like with a hammer, you could cut things with a hammer in terms of like you could find a rock, chisel it down to a blade edge and hammer it and like eventually cut some piece of wood. But you'd be at it a long time. Yeah. And it's you know, and we've I I know we both have those students and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have too. the the students who are like, oh, well, you, you give them some philosophical question and they always try to come up with, oh, I would just do this. And you're like, okay, well, you, you can't do that. <laughs> or I guess, okay, let me more explicitly define the parameters of this problem. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate the creativity, but this is, you know, designed to elicit a certain thing. And <laughs> You want smarty me again, you 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 kid. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I remember, like I would do one with my life when I used to teach freshmen. We would do the one where, you know, like you're walking through the park with two hundred dollars sneakers on, and you're like, "Yeah, I look really good." And you see a, a toddler fall into a pond, and no one else oh. is around. The, the question is like, what do you do? Do you just keep walking, or do you take off, or do you you don't have time to take off your shoes, so you just run and save the kid, but you ruin your shoes. And you know, every class, 99% of them are like, I would save the kid, I don't care about my shoes. And there's the one kid who's like, I I could take my shoes off while I'm running. I can make that work. And you're like, okay, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is like, do you, you know, what do you value higher, the, you know, the value of your shoes or your, or the kid? Yeah, right, right. But, I, I think yeah. I watched you give that lesson when your classes. That was a that was a, a good that was pretty good at getting at because um, it was it was a equity or income yeah that income was, right that was that goal was yeah because we talked about value like what do you value monetarily and you know um, materially and then we talked about uh, where does it go from there it talks about um, I'm trying a blank now. But yeah, the the end game is the um, equity of wealth distribution in the United States. 
Yeah, I remember that. That was that was fun. It's a fun person. I, I like that one a lot. This is a public service announcement from the Two Math Guys podcast. If you see someone holding graph paper, better watch out. They're probably plotting something. This has been a public service announcement from the Two Math Guys podcast. Um, this list up here. Oh, here's the one that seems kind of a fun thing. It's called story progression. Uh, so it's like telephone. So it's a similar concept as telephone where you start the story and then you have random students add the next line. So the story could start with once upon a time and then you could select a student by unmuting their mic. Um, and you could do it either randomly or in a specific order. And then what, you, what you're doing is you're getting all students to be, you're going to have all students talk in some way and contribute in some way. Uh, and they're all thinking of a response. Oh, and if it isn't, actually, random might be better because you're having kids constantly think of a new response because they don't know who it's going to be rather than just waiting for their turn. So could you see incorporating math in that some way? Or could you see it just being a standalone intro activity to get kids comfortable with one another? Something I've done that's kind of like that is you give, uh, you know, a problem and its solution, but with parts missing. And they have to kind of figure out, it's more of like figuring out what's missing from the problem. And it's because I was, I was trying to think of, you know, if you had someone write, I guess you could do that, you know, like have a problem and then have someone go, okay, this is what I would do first. And then have someone else go, okay, given that that's what has just happened, I would do this next. And it would be, you could do it with like, if you had something, you know, like a uh, quantity four X minus five squared, plus seven minus five X equals 17, you know, and go like, Oh, okay. What would you do? And some kids would be like, well, cause some kids would, you know, might square or, you know, expand the binomial first. And some kids might just get all the like terms over or, you know, cause who knows, but they would have to kind of adapt like, Oh, okay. They did that first. Then I would do blah, blah, blah. Which could get them to, you know, break their comfort zone of solving and see if they could do it in a more like impromptu way. Mm-hmm. And also, which helps push understanding for sure. And it also would give them a way of, um, yeah, like seeing how other people think about the problem. Because, you know, if, if you were like, oh, here's my first step, I would have to look at it and go, okay, does that work? And if it does work, why does it work? Yeah. You know, it's almost, it's, uh, when you were saying that, Chris, it really reminded me of how, what you said about the, the monster drawing activity, where you would talk about how we all approach a problem differently. And I think with this, if you pair the monster activity with this story progression one, where you're giving kids a, an exercise that's partially solved and ask, what would your next step be? Or, what, or maybe it's just a, a problem. It's like a, a simple equation. Like, what would your first step be? And just see how many kids respond in certain ways. Like, do you 
group like terms together? Do you divide out so the, the coefficient on the variable on the on the x is one or so whatever you do? So that mm -hmm. I could see like which would highlight the point you just previously made in the drawing activity. Yeah, and I was just thinking that that's kind of, I think the way that I ask questions in class kind of does that, where, you know, we'll have a problem. I go like, okay, what would you do first? And someone will say something and I go, okay, now that we've done that, what should we do next? Mm -hmm. And usually that's more of the kind of formulaic questions ones that they're like oh well i would you know we should add or you know get all the x's on one side get all the numbers on the other side and then we can divide or do whatever we're going to do and a lot of the time that's all the kids are roughly on the same page with doing that so it's interesting that some kids are very particular like no 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 my you know sixth grade teacher said you have to get all the x's on the left yeah right <laughs> numbers on the right and it's like yeah okay and sometimes i'll go Oh, well here I'm going to add X squared. So I get my X squareds on the right side. Like, why would I do that? And kids go, Oh, well you don't want to deal with a negative X squared. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. I prefer to have my X just, I was like, I, I just, I mean, it doesn't matter, but the same way, you know, some kid might like to have all their X's on the left. I like to have my, my stuff be positive if I can. Mm -hmm. I know I prefer to have a, a positive leading term. It's just me, but, but uh, that's what I like. I think that's a pretty decent activity for the first or second, or maybe like the second or third day, like that monster drawing activity, get them, you know, play around with it and have other kids, you know, have, you know heck, even have, have another kid describe it, you know, give a drawing to another kid and have them describe it in that way. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then do the, the, what would your first step be? Which would also be a good kind of review of of, of certain procedures for kids. Um, oh, that sounds pretty. I, I have to build it, but I feel like that's a pretty solid Zoom lesson. Yeah, I mean, I think something like order of operations is always worthy of a revisit, just because yeah. there's always small, just kind of you know, logistical or. I, I always call them like clerical errors in their work. Looking forward to looking more through these uh, these lists because there's like one of them on the um, the hooked on innovation one was uh, you know survey your students, which is something that I, I liked. Uh, I did for summer school as well was just to get you know their interests, likes, things like that, just so. Mm -hmm you can incorporate those because I mean, I do that a little bit, like I'll incorporate, you know, Disney characters and Taylor Swift into my, my problems. <laughs> well, something tells me that Taylor Swift, that's more of the, that's more of an on-spock, <laughs> on-spock <laughs> thing. Hey, if you don't like Taylor Swift now, you will yeah. by October. <laughs> or just lie. Otherwise you'll fail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the extra credit questions are actually Taylor Swift. Swift related questions. <laughs> yeah, it was, and, and I always joke like, you know, it's it's a small thing, you know, replacing, you know, Tim and Sarah with Taylor and, you know, Rapunzel or something. But there's some kids who were like, they they get a kick out of it, and maybe that's 
Yeah, maybe it's just, just like a little bit like, oh, okay. I may have that like in my head, like, oh, Taylor Swift's on this problem? Of course I'm going to do it. But I don't know, maybe it just makes, it helps make the math a little bit more palatable to them, I guess. And 